One day Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake, so that the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided, and all was calm. Where is your faith? he asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? Who commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him? The word of the Lord. Let us pray. God of grace, uh, as we come into this place um, this afternoon, we may be coming from very different places. Um, and Whether we feel like we have great faith or whether we feel like we have none, whether we feel like we're overwhelmed with uh, the, the, the storms and we think we're going to drown in life, or whether we feel like we're maybe riding a wave and times are good and we have a belief in you that you've nurtured through experience recently that we never had before. Wherever we find ourselves, help us to, to be convinced of one thing, universally, that we're more of a mess than we care to admit to anyone and help us to know right along with that that you respond to our mess by moving towards us with grace so that we can hopefully walk out of here today and walk out of this message today knowing that we're more loved and accepted because of Christ by you than we ever imagined. Speak to us through that grace, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Has your life been stormy? Maybe uh, it's possible that you're in the middle of one, in the middle of a storm. So are you, how are you dealing with it? Or how have you dealt with your storms? Are you uh, losing sleep over it? Is it keeping you awake at night? And I find it fascinating that Jesus was asleep during the storm. He was sleeping peacefully while the storms around him Raged, And I don't know how many seafarers we have here today, how many people who are familiar with sailing or being out in the open waters. I don't know that there's going to be very many hands that would shoot up if I asked. So we have to go with, you know, what TV tells us, right, about storms. Um, one of the shows that I've gotten into is a, an addictive uh, thing where you can watch on the episodes on Netflix. It's called Whale Wars. And um, so this ship called the Sea Shepherd is full of these young, enthusiastic volunteers who are stopping the efforts of these whaling crews who have a certain quota of whales they're trying to get each year in the South Seas. So it's this aggressive, you know, activist, environmentalist, um, good guys versus the whaling bad guys. And you get up close and personal on this ship, and you can see, you see that when you're out in the open waters, I mean, it can go from beautiful peace and calm within hours to being a life and death situation. And uh, at one point, it mirrors the, the biblical story today pretty closely. Um, at one point, 
the sea shepherd is, is in, in a really rough position and the captain is asleep in the captain quarters and the second in command is kind of at the helm going like this and everybody looks terrified. And so even though it's the middle of the night, they go and they wake up the captain and he, and he comes out and the kind of the fear dissipates and the anxiety is gone because they see the, the seasoned captain at the helm and he's in command and he sure enough, he just steers them confidently to safety. Um, I don't know if you have any sort of, so if you're on the, sh- the ship of life and as you face storms, I don't know if you have any confidence about where you go amidst the storm, what resources you have available to you. So the advantage of being a Christian, at least the Bible tells us this, is that you have powerful, powerful resources to apply to the storminess of life. This is, this is what Christians say they believe but one of the problems is we either don't we don't know full well about those resources or we just don't do anything about it we just don't don't know Charles Swindell um, wrote this he said I'm convinced that life is 10% what happens to us and 90% how we react to it I don't know if you agree with those percentages or not but it kind of makes a point right about well what what resources do you have to bring to the things that are happening to you one person that might actually disagree with uh, Swindoll on that quote is Christopher Hitchens. Um, Christopher Hitchens, if you don't know, intellectual um, contributor to the New Yorker. He's written lots of books. He's been involved in a lot of debates. He's a, he's a strong thinker. He's an atheist. He's, um, he just combats different issues head on. He died in December of um, cancer. Um, and what's interesting about him is how honest he is, how just, he just goes right up against things. Like, for example, he believed that waterboarding was not torture. And so what he did was he said, well, I'll volunteer to go undergo it. And what do you know? He comes out the other end of it, and I'm going to go ahead and call that torture, he says, <laughs> after, after going through with it. But hey, you know, he's honest. He faces up to it. Um, and so this is one of the last things he wrote. Um, you can actually find it in the current issue of Vanity Fair, actually, where he writes this, this piece dealing with what resources do I really have to bring to this, this battle that he's undergoing with cancer and potentially death. He describes the, the storm that he's dealing with. He says, this, I had this um, month-long bombardment with protons which had burned away all of the cancer in my clavicular and paratracheal nodes, as well as the original tumor in the esophagus. To say that the rash hurt would be pointless. The struggle is to convey the way it hurt on the inside. I lay for days on end, trying in vain to postpone the moment when I would have to swallow. Every time I did swallow, a hellish tide of pain would flow up my throat, culminating in what felt like a mule kick in the small of my back. I wondered if things looked as red and inflamed within as they did without. And then I had an unprompted rogue thought. If I had been told about all this in advance, would I have opted for the treatment? There were several moments as I bucked and writhed and gasped and cursed when I seriously doubted it. The point of the article is, he used to tell himself, you know this, this, this um, thing that we often say, if it doesn't kill me, it makes me stronger. And the whole point of him is wrestling with, do I... Is that true in this case for me? I don't think this is me. You know, do I really have that resource, even that resource to grab? And he kind of says, no, no, this, this isn't making me stronger. Do you know what, what 
resources you have to bring to the table for your storm. The Christian, Christians say we have deep, deep resources, powerful resources to access. Do we know it? Last, last uh, fe- February, it was, um, I mean, we could use some rain now. Last February, I remember it was very wet. And I'm not, you know, we never get real, real storms. We know that in, in the Central Valley. But, you know, it, it wasn't wet. And I remember my neighbor and I had this joint project of building a fence. And it was so wet and miserable outside. Um, but my neighbor had the idea, let's, let's do it now. Let's get it done with. And I was actually glad in the end we went with his plan as opposed to my plan of let's just hold off till the sun comes out. So we're out there working in the rain. And I realized the main thing that we were up against was getting the old fence posts down or getting the old fence down that was all interspersed with these vines. And I realized if we could cut the posts, these old aluminum posts, we'd be good to go. But I was picturing myself out in the rain with a hacksaw. And so I started going, what, you know, very self-motivated, what other tools do I have to bring to this? And I remembered I had bought this this um, electrical saw, this reciprocating saw that could, and sure enough, it, it totally worked. It made like, just to make a long story short, it made an hour or less of work of what would have been just days and days of miserable work, of just giving up, of moaning and groaning about how terrible this was, and it just cut those down, and the fence was down in less than an hour. Now, I don't know if you're... (laughs) If there's anything analogous in there to your life, just in terms of facing something, it's miserable. You might end up coming out of it moaning, complaining, giving up, saying, this is pointless. If you, don't, if you aren't aware of the tools, the resources of faith to bring to it, if nothing else, this story tells us there's going to be storms. There's going to be storms in life. There's going to be storms in the life of faith. But what is this faith that we're talking about? What is this faith that we can access? Um, I think that this story is, it's really incredible when you, when you look back at Psalm 29 to try to understand what's going on in this passage here. What kind of faith are these disciples? I mean, Jesus says, where's your faith? What kind of faith should they have? Well, Psalm 29 says things like this. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. Then I love this line. And in his temple all cry, glory. Just kind of thrown right in the middle of all that. In his temple all cry, glory. When the disciples go to wake up Jesus in the middle of this storm... They just show us how little they are accessing a Psalm 29 kind of faith. I mean, this was their Bible, the Psalms, the Old Testament. And they weren't grabbing hold of any of this, any of the sense that there is, okay, there's a storm, and it seems to be overwhelming you, but uh, over and above all that, there is one who just who commands the storm, who speaks, whose, whose coattails are these things called lightning and thunder. Um, this kind of faith leads people to... M- move into the presence of God and all in the temple cry glory. That's the, that's the accurate kind of result of knowing these things about God. Where is your faith? I think it's, it's, it's valuable to ask yourself, to picture Jesus, not just asking the disciples in the story, but asking you as, as, you know, as the storms rage in your life. Where is your faith? Whatever you're going through. 
You know, I'm going to lose my house because of the real estate market. I'm terrified for my children. A family member of mine has stage four cancer. I'm going to be alone forever. This crisis is happening in my life. Where is your faith? Are you accessing anything like this? This kind of faith in the God above all of these things that are already to us are so powerful and overwhelming. There's a God who speaks them into existence and the response is to cry, glory. Um, Now, we don't often do that. Let's just be honest. That sounds almost to me like something that people, if I actually grew up going to church, it sounds like something people would just kind of say uh, you know, we've got to cry glory because all those things are true and just, just it doesn't really connect. We, it, we just can't believe that amidst the stuff we're dealing with. Um, and, and I think that's kind of what's true here with the disciples. When they go and they shake Jesus awake and they say, why are you asleep? <laughs> and so I think we need another psalm to help understand the faith they have. If you look at Psalm 44, there's a point where this is what, you know, if you picture both of these things as legitimate things for people of faith to say, this is a whole different response. A crying out to God saying, Yet for your sake we face all death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Awake, Lord, why do you sleep? Rouse yourself, do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our misery and oppression? That's the kind of faith the disciples are bringing to Jesus in the middle of their storm. And I want you to notice something. Um, first of all, that that our doubts, notice that even going to Jesus, I mean, they, were, they thought there was some reason, maybe still, before they gave up and jumped ship, literally, ah, let, let's at least try this, this and see if Jesus can do something. They had some little bit of faith. Awake! Wake up! Psalm 44 can, includes a little bit of faith. And notice also that this is, this is how gracious Jesus is. Here's why you should drop every other kind of belief system and faith and say and put all your marbles into this basket because of how Jesus responds to just the tiniest weakest bit of faith he responds he responds he wakes up and he does something about it no matter how weak the faith is coming to him I don't know how you know what you think of God or how you picture him but I think it's clear from this story and many 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 others that God is not going around looking for those perfect people who have all their ducks in a row, who are constantly shouting out, glory, glory, glory. But he seems to be, rather than doing that, rather than waiting for that, going out and connecting with people just like you in this place of weak faith and saying, okay, now let's grow that faith a little bit more. Don't be afraid if all you can do is just run to God, run to Jesus, and say, wake up, where are you? Don't be afraid. Please, please don't be afraid to at least do that. At least let that be your starting point. And I can assure you of two things. He'll, number one, he'll accept you. He will accept that faith. And number two, he'll push you to dig deeper. And he'll do so in order that you might not just know about the storm and know about the faith in the storm but know about the ministry of that faith because this story is, it doesn't just end with uh, with faith actually this is part of a few stories that are that are piggybacked together in, in the gospels and especially here in Luke where Jesus basically says to a storm be quiet and then he says to a 
to the demons possessing this man, get out. And then he says to a little girl who's died, wake up. Be quiet. Get out. Wake up. Where is your faith? And then after all of this, he's in, in chapter 9, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He sent them out to ministry. So they set out and they went from village to village proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. See, um, your storms are not just in your life so that your, your faith will be developed and you'll come out saying, I, I feel closer to God. That'll be true. That will be true. But God's not settled with that. He wants to push you out into a place where you're actually... He wants you to get used to bringing out, pulling out the resources in the midst of the storm so that when you're brought into the storms of others, that's what ministry is, when you're brought into the storms of others, you're used to pulling out those resources. Notice he says, where is your faith? He doesn't say, you don't have faith. He says, where is it? Get it out. Put it into practice. Get used to this because I'm going to send you out unprepared. And you're going to have to know at least this one thing. Get out your faith. Believe this. Um, I don't know what that's going to look like for you. Um, but let me just read a couple stories as we close of what this has looked like in the history of the Christian church. What would it be uh, this weekend without a quote from Dr. King? Um, this is from the Common Prayer book, A Liturgy for Ordinary Radicals. Martin Luther King Jr. said this about ministry with faith in the early church. There was a time when the church was very powerful. In those days, the church was not merely a thermometer that recorded the ideas and principles of popular opinion. It was a thermostat that transformed the mores of society. Whenever the early Christians entered a town, the power structure got disturbed and immediately sought to convict them for being disturbers of the peace and outside agitators. But they went on with the conviction that they were a colony of heaven and had to obey God rather than men. They were small in number, but big in commitment. They were too God-intoxicated to be astronomically intimidated. They brought an end to such ancient evils as infanticide and gladiatorial contest. Or one more, how about at a totally later time in church history, Charles de Foucauld, while working in the North African desert after a dishonorable discharge for military service, Charles de Foucauld was impressed by the piety of Muslims and, and experienced a dramatic recovery of his Christian faith. He spent a number of years in a Trappist monastery before hearing the call to a new monasticism among the working poor. I no longer want a monastery which is too secure, he wrote. I want a small monastery, like the house of a poor workman who is not sure if tomorrow he will find work and bread who with all his being shares the suffering of the world. Though Foucault died in solitude, the little brothers and sisters of Jesus, inspired by his life and witness, have started communities of service among the poor and outcasts around the world. Let's pray that some things like this happens in our own lives. Dear God, thank you for these words, whether they strike hard or soft on our hearts today. The prayer is simply this. Send us out. Give us enough faith in our current storms, but drive us into the lives 
of others who need healing. And help us in those places to access the powerful faith. As we consider ourselves, uh, as we walk along in this series of messages about meeting Jesus, the disciples ended by saying, Who is this man? As we interact with that question ourselves, each in a different way, will you answer our request for you to be, be alive and awake in our lives? Will you help us to know something about this Jesus? May it change us and send us out to help others. We pray in his name. Amen.